Welcome once again to our podcast and our video production, which is entitled GreatAMovies.com. I have with me Adam Austin and Alec uh, Toombs, who are both the writers for GreatAMovies.com. So, Alec, welcome once again. Hope you enjoyed uh, the Christmas holiday. I did. I hope you did too, Larry. Good to be here. Absolutely did. And Adam, same to you. I'm sure your two-year-old daughter enjoyed this uh, as much as anybody. Oh, she had a great time. She loved opening her presents. And of course, at that age, as soon as they open a present, they want to open it up and play with it immediately. So it takes a lot longer uh, than I'm sure years later when she'll open up all the presents in 30 seconds. So it's uh, nice. <laughs> well, don't worry. It changes as, as the age goes on, but it's fun every single year, just in a different way. So we hope all of you listening and watching enjoyed your Christmas holiday. For those of you with a, with a religious faith that celebrates Christmas, uh, and I know there are other faiths that, faiths that around this time of year have, have other religious and, and secular celebrations. So we welcome you all. And we are going to start our podcast with a film all three of us have seen. And the film is Wonder Woman 1984. This film is set really during, I guess you could say there's been ups and downs. One of the higher points of the Cold War as far as tension was concerned. There's even a scene with the president. <laughs> and uh, Wonder Woman uh, somehow manages to, to damage the White House quite severely. <laughs> That's just one scene in the film. But the film is full of action scenes, very well done. Wonder Woman 1984 just has been released, and it's had so much publicity for one reason, because it is, is, it's not only going to, it was released in theaters on Christmas Day, it was released on HBO Max. So you could get it on either go to the movie theater or get it on the platform of HBO Max. So it's gotten a lot of attention for that reason. And uh, Adam has just informed me that it had a very good uh, uh, first weekend at uh, the movie theaters. I read some material that HBO Max is extremely satisfied with the number of people that have watched Wonder Woman 1984 on the platform. So it's it, the, the backdrop is the Cold War during the Reagan administration. You see an actor doesn't really look or act like Reagan, but he's the president. Obviously, Reagan was the president in 1984. And that's part of the backdrop of the whole film. It's really about wishes, getting your wishes, not getting your wishes, and how having your wishes come true don't always turn out the way you think they would be. And that's the kind of the bottom line, where the first Wonder Woman film was really about how love will save the world. This is about how wishing for everything may not be the best thing. Wishing is not a good idea. and just about lies and truth, probably more than anything else. So I won't get into it. There's so many twists and turns in the... Uh, in in the in this story, it's 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 uh, Diana Prince in this particular setting is a curator at the Smithsonian Institute in Washington D.C. The film was uh, filmed a great deal in England, but many scenes were filmed in the United States in the Washington D.C. area. And if you've ever been to D.C., you will recognize a lot of the backdrops to this film and many of the scenes. But in this case. Uh, a kind of a clumsy, socially awkward new curator comes in. Diana Prince befriends her, but she ends up getting uh, going down a pretty uh, evil rabbit hole. And I won't get into the whole story. There's a pitch man on TV whose Ponzi scheme is falling apart, and he finds an artifact that gives him the power of wishes. And that's where the story goes from there. 
So I'm going to ask uh, each of you just to kind of give me your views on the film, what you thought of it. I'm going to ask Alec to start this time. You've seen Wonder Woman. Uh, give us your take on it. Yeah, uh, my wife and I and a few of our friends uh, saw Wonder Woman 1984 in Dolby Cinema at the uh, AMC Castleton on Christmas Day. Uh, I think seeing it in that format probably uh, helped my enjoyment of the film. I don't think it's as good as the first one, but I still thought it was pretty solid. I would give it uh, four out of five stars or a B plus. Okay, Alec uh, is on the high side on this film, so let's uh, let Adam come in. Adam, your views on Wonder Woman, 1984. So me and my wife watched it um, last night, um, so uh, Sunday after Christmas. Uh, we were On the Christmas Day, we watched Soul, which I'll talk about later. But um, we thought about going to the theater, but there was so much negative feedback on social media about this movie. If you click on one of the posts where they say, hey, watch Wonder Woman 1984, those ads that pop up on Facebook, almost every comment is saying, this is the worst movie you've ever seen. This is worse than Green Lantern. It's not even worth your time, even if you have already have HBO and aren't paying for it. Don't spend your two and a half hours watching it. It's terrible. And I must say that some of those negative reactions are hyperbolic in my viewpoint. Um, is it as good as the first Wonder Woman? No. The first Wonder Woman was beloved by many. I'm actually someone who didn't love the first one as much as other people. I liked it. I thought that Gal Gadot and Chris Pine had great chemistry and there was some good action scenes. But in the end, it went to a clumsy CGI villain who looked terrible. I don't understand why DC movies under Warner Brothers can't get good special effects for these villains. You look at Justice League, you look at Batman versus Superman, you look at this. It's all a bunch of really bad-looking CGI, yet Marvel has figured it out. Marvel has the top-of-the-line CGI that looks super realistic, but DC must not be calling the same people. Well, and I would blame the director, the producers, you know, people like that. It's really not so much, uh, I think, DC versus Marvel as the studio itself. But go ahead, please. Go ahead. Yeah. So everyone was hating on this movie, saying it's terrible. It's not terrible. It's not even one of the worst DC movies. Um, I actually think it's probably toward the top if you don't count the Dark Knight movies, which are kind of in a different category. I think it's behind the first Wonder Woman, and maybe you could say Shazam was better because that was kind of funny and lighthearted. But besides that, a lot of the DC movies have been pretty terrible. Justice League, terrible. Aquaman, I was not a fan. Uh, I know that rhymes. But uh, Batman versus Superman, Man of Steel, I mean, they, Suicide Squad, they don't have a great record of movies coming out. Um, I think what threw everybody for a loop was they went tonally so different with this sequel. It doesn't it, they, they I understand a lot of these movies, you don't want to rehash it. Deadpool 2 feels just like Deadpool. They're pretty much the same movie. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, it's the same as Guardians of the Galaxy. It's the same movie. Wonder Woman sequel, they went in a whole different direction. Style-wise, music-wise, character-wise. And I don't think it worked for a lot of people. I think Alec made a comment somewhere that it felt a lot like the Richard Donner Superman movies of the 80s. And I think if you view it through that lens, you might gain a little more enjoyment from it. 
there are a lot of good things going on in this movie. But the bottom line is it's two and a half hours and it really should have been more like two hours and it doesn't have a lot of action scenes and uh, it might be easy to fall asleep on your couch at home. It's not terrible, but I think it's a a C plus movie, not an F movie. Yes, and Adam and I are in agreement on this. I gave it a C plus as well and I came in with big expectations. I think that there are two or three components that... Uh, create caused this film not to be in a, a B or an A movie. Number one is that the script was a bit weaker than the first film. Uh, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't what I was hoping for. It's better than average, but not outstanding. It's good. I thought that, uh, how should I put this? When you, when you look at the cast, Pedro Pascal playing the, the villain I don't know about you. I mean, I think he did the acting job that was requested of him by the director, but I thought he was off the wall and just, you know, uh, just just off off the reservation. It was just too much. It just didn't work for me the way he played that character. The way it was written, I think it's the real fault here. Someone I think he said that he reminded people of Nathan Fillion, if you know that actor <laughs> from uh, Castle and. Uh, Firefly. He, yeah. he kind of reminded me of Nathan Fillion. They should have just got Nathan Fillion. Well, they didn't. So here's what they got. And, and you know, I think the actor did the best he could to do what the director's vision was on this. And I just don't think it was the right vision. I also thought it was a little goofy that you take this character who's inept socially and just, you know, falling all over herself, awkward. And then all of a sudden she becomes this this, this powerful evil being I just thought it was never really explained. And I understand how the script explained it, how the how the story explained it, but it just didn't work for me. So I found some fatal flaws in this film. Uh, actually, I thought the action scenes were fine. I thought there were enough of them. In fact, they might have been a little too long. I agree with Adam. This film could have easily been under two hours, but it was two and a half hours. And uh, now Christopher Lloyd, who we've had on, on, on the podcast several times over the years, he's always complaining about certain films being too long. This is an excellent example of that. So I go in wanting a great film. I was looking forward to seeing Wonder Woman 1984. Good film, better than average film. I don't think it's good. So I think the way we come down on this, Alec is is much higher on this film than Adam and I. Um, I actually said I'm, I'm not sure it's worth paying the price of admission to go to a movie theater. Although Adam kind of or Alec kind of liked the special effects in the Dolby system and inside the movie theater better than than I did. I think Adam saw it in in, in the home as well. So it's uh, disappointing for me. Alex thought it was it, it met the, the test, and Al, and Adam and I are pretty much on the same reservation. We're pretty much believing this is a C-plus movie. And I say it because I was, sadly, because I wanted to enjoy this film, and I did less than I expected. And I I think, you know, it's, it's, it's worth your time if you already have HBO Max. I wouldn't subscribe to HBO Max just to get this film. But uh, if you already have it, it's worth your time, but it's going to take you some time, two and a half hours. And there are going to be some times you're going to want to stop <laughs> the stream and go do something and come back. Any final thoughts, Alec, after hearing what we had to say? Uh, I enjoyed it as a throwback exercise to 80s a- action movies and 80s superhero movies. Uh, one of the opening action sequences in the movie takes place in a mall. It kind of reminded me of the old Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Commando. 
Um, I, there were some things about the movie that were super strange, in my opinion. Um, there was a lot of child endangerment right from the jump with young Diana competing in this dangerous game with grown women or all the kids being threatened in the mall. Um, if Ronald Reagan is the president of the movie, it seemed like they were making light of his uh, Alzheimer's or dementia, which is kind of tasteless. And Princess Diana commits rape in this movie. I'm not, I don't want to get into specifics as to how this happens, but by my estimation, she commits rape in the movie, which is kind of messed up. I overlooked all this stuff in the end of the day, though, in that I felt as though the movie is hopeful, and I think that's kind of what we need right now. And I, there, there were some uncomfortable scenes. I would agree with that. And some plot twists I thought were goofy in, t- in terms of Wonder Woman's love life. But uh, any final comments, Adam? Yeah. One, you hit on something. You mentioned that this movie was set during the Cold War. They didn't really take advantage of that setting. That really could have opened itself up to a lot of opportunities. I think I would have rather seen like an 80s spy thriller with Wonder Woman as opposed to this. Instead, they kind of went the route of the 80s greed and excess, which I understand is a good platform for that villain. But I think the whole Cold War and spy thing would have made for a more interesting movie. And I also I question whether they needed to bring Chris Pine back at all. As much as I thought he was great in the first one, I know it's sad when an actor the character dies off in the first movie and they can't be in the sequel. But I think it actually diminishes the feminine power of Wonder Woman that she somehow needs this guy with her. Uh, you know, she shouldn't have to have a guy to to make her complete or to make her stronger. She's Wonder Woman. So I don't know if uh, she needed him. I understand they were in love, but um, I don't know. I thought that was just kind of Hey, Chris Pine was good in the first one. Let's find a way to put him in the second one. And I'm not sure it actually worked. He um, was I, good in the new one, though, I felt. Like, it was kind of fun. She was the fish out of water in the first movie. He's the fish out of water in the second movie. I thought it kind of played. I don't think I it she- was the actor's fault. I don't think Chris Pine or Kristen Wiig or, or Gal Gadot, anything did anything wrong with their performances. I think maybe the screenplay was the issue. I was, Sorry, yeah. go ahead. I think Alec hit on something, too. The 80s campiness, they should have maybe leaned into that more. Either don't do it or embrace it. But they kind of tiptoed their feet in the water at the beginning and then said, okay, now we're going to go back to being kind of a serious action movie. Okay, now we're going to go back to being an 80s movie. And it seems like it did, within the own movie, the tone was jumping around, let alone compared to the first movie. Yeah, and, and the way they set the beginning of the film up, it's like Wonder Woman, Diana Prince, is in this funk because she's lonely, and she misses, you know, uh, the boyfriend who died in the first film. Yeah, and Adam hit on something there. Is that really necessary? I mean, can't we have let Wonder Woman, it's okay that she has these human emotions and so forth, but on the other hand, was it overplayed? I, I'm not sure they needed that part. I know why that was written into the script. could have been done more cleverly than it was. And Adam's also right that the, the Cold War opened up a lot of other plot lines. And Alec, you know, you're right. It, they, they had a, an actor playing the president who seemed just totally out of it. <laughs> and, it was, and there are people who will say that Reagan might have been out of it in 1984. Well, I won't stay out of that argument, but that's out there. I think that thought was interesting. He kind of compared Pedro Pascal's villain uh, to our soon-to-be former president, uh, Donald Trump. 
He's a TV host. He's a shyster. He's a Ponzi scheme guy. Um, do you think they were trying to make that commentary, Larry? I actually thought about that while I was watching a film and thinking, who's going to bring it up? And Adam, you did it. But uh, I, 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 and Alex raising his hand like he, he came to his mind as well. I, I believe that uh, that is probably in the screenplay since uh, you know Trump was president at the time the screenplay was probably put together. I'm guessing that that might have, you know, been part of the deal, but we'll never know, and they'll never tell us if we ask them. That's just the way. Gal, Gal Gadot, by the way, was, was a, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say quickly that Gal Gadot is one of the producers of this film, so she had some say into how this whole thing was produced. Alec, Pascal's just a much better looking version of, of Trump in the movie, and has some iota of soul. So there is a difference. <laughs> we'll leave that as his personal political comment. And move on now, because i that's a movie I've seen since we've last uh, talked. Uh, however, uh, Adam is very impressed with the new animated film, and he and Alec have both seen that. So, Adam, I'm going to let you lead the way on this. Well, Alec just talked about Souls, and that kind of ties in perfectly to the next movie that me and my wife chose to watch on Christmas Day, uh, Disney Pixar Soul. And it's actually their second movie released in 2020, the first being Onward, which came out, I think, in February Soul was originally scheduled for, I think, a May or June release sometime in the summer, uh, but it was pushed back due to COVID and eventually came streaming only to Disney+. Plus. You cannot go to a theater to see this, which I know some theater operators were upset by because they're looking for content right now. Um, the trailer for this movie didn't really impress me, and I know you can't judge things based on the trailer. Um, it seemed like it was a mix between Coco and Inside Out. It was, it, the premise is you have this uh, middle school band teacher voiced by Jamie Foxx who he's frustrated. He wants to be a great musician, but he's stuck being a band teacher. And he finally gets his big gig, his big break. And he's about to go play with this great jazz musician. And as he's walking out of the theater, Larry, oops, he falls into a manhole and dies. Isn't that ironic, huh? As Alanis Morissette would have said. But uh, he falls into the manhole. He's dead. And he's upset. He doesn't want to go to the great beyond because his life, he feels like, was just getting started. He just got his big break. So he's yearning to go back to Earth to have his soul rejoined in his body. So he falls off this mystical uh, escalator. I know this sounds crazy, but they do do it very well. It's all beautifully animated. It's got a great soundtrack by Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails, which is, I know, interesting for a Pixar movie. They fall into this area where souls are created, and they call it the great before. And this is where souls are are given their personality and what they're going to be like before they're sent to Earth to become in a human body. And uh, Jamie Foxx's character has to become the mentor to a soul who doesn't want to be born, who doesn't want to live because they think life isn't worth living. And it all becomes the so he has to try to help this soul find out. What is your passion? What what makes you? What is it that makes life worth living for you? Um, and not to give away too much plot wise, but I love this movie. Um, it really raised some interesting questions. I think about um, what is it that makes life worth living? It, um, is it your job? Is it your profession? Is it the people that you spend time with? Um, taking appreciation for life as it is, and not just. Uh, always wanting more or the next step in life. Sorry, I got a dog in the background. 
Um, the Charlie's a little crazy. Uh, I don't know. It, it kind of hit me in a lot of ways. I think this last year with COVID, we're all quarantined. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe someone you love died. Uh, maybe you own a business that's struggling. Maybe you just can't do the things you enjoy to do because you're stuck, stuck in quarantine. And I think that made a lot of us question, um, you know, what's our goal? What's our purpose in life? What are we supposed to do? And this movie kind of reminded us that it can be as simple as eating a good slice of pizza, as watching trees fall, leaves fall from a tree, enjoying life every day. Um, well, not, interesting note, too. Last episode, you heard me rave about One Night in Miami. Uh, the guy who wrote the screenplay and the play for One Night in Miami, he wrote Soul and was the, co- the co-director of this movie. These are the only two movies he's worked on, Larry. Uh, he is going to be a household name. Uh, he's going to probably win an Oscar for something this year, at least Best Animated Feature. His name's Kemp Powers. And they said he was brought on as a screenwriter. They loved his ideas so much, they promoted him to co-director. So, a lot of good things to say. I could keep talking, but I'll let Alec kind of chime in with some of his thoughts on Soul. I enjoyed the movie very much. I'm not as high on it as you are. Um, of the two Pixar movies from this past year, I actually preferred Onward. I think, for whatever reason, that one connected with me on a deeper emotional level. Something about the brother relationship or the relationship between fathers and sons. It's like my emotional pressure point that always gets me but um i really enjoyed it it is a uh, a different sort of pixar movie i would say it's probably their most adult skewing project to date um it is about jazz and as such it, it sort of seems like the, a little f- free form perhaps in comparison to their other works a few other things one um alex wright this isn't really a movie for kids. Kids might get bored. Um, it's not as high paid as uh, Toy Story or Monsters, Inc. or Cars or even Onward. Um, some, some kids might get bored. Some kids might get scared. It does deal with death. Um, I heard saw some parents saying they weren't sure if their really young child was old enough to watch it because it does raise questions about what happens after you die. But I will say this. I think that's actually a good thing for kids of a certain age. Uh, Fred Rogers always said that children's entertainment can do more than just be a babysitter and plop the kid in front of the screen for two hours to look at moving shapes and colors. Movies, TV shows for children can educate and it can inform and it can inspire. And I think this does a lot of that. It could have a really positive influence on a young child to say, you know what, it's okay if you aren't the greatest jazz musician or if you don't know what you're good at, if you don't know what your dreams are. Just be a good person, enjoy life, and that's really all that it comes down to. So uh, just from the two of you, because it was really Walt Disney that brought animation into the mainstream and provided stories years and years ago that adults could relate to, not in every case, but in many cases. So I'm, I'm trying to pick up from the two and ask Alec to start this discussion. Is soul for adults more than children, children more than adults, or equally to both? Um, I would probably say it skews more towards adults. I think it, it kind of depends on the kid. It seems like it might be a good opportunity for parents to watch the movie with kids who are, say, 8, 9, 10 years old and have real serious conversations with them. 
So, Adam, where do you come down on this? I think adults might get more out of it than kids, but I think it's not inappropriate for children unless you're really terrified about talking about death with your child. You know, my daughter just saw Funny Shapes and Colors, and uh, she, she we had it on. I watched it a second time, and, you know, she doesn't understand what they're talking about. Um, I will say one great thing about this movie. It is the first Pixar movie to have an African-American lead character. Uh, they've had Af- African-American characters in Pixar movies before, but not in a lead role. It's the first Pixar movie with a co-director uh, that is African-American and Kemp Powers. And uh, they said when they made this movie, they wanted to make sure it was authentic to the black experience without feeling like a token or pandering. And so they brought in a lot of black voice actors. Uh, they studied with uh, African-American history scholars and brought them in. They brought in jazz musicians. Uh, John Baptiste, who is the band leader for the uh, Stephen Colbert show, um, he does all of the piano and jazz music for the movie. He does a fantastic job, especially when you consider they also have great music from Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who usually do work with David Fincher, such as Gone Girl, they won an Oscar for the Social Network, and they did the soundtrack for Mank uh, this year. So they've got a lot of uh, – they brought in a lot of big names to make sure they got this movie right, and I think they did. I I was talking about uh, the themes of blackness in the movie with a friend of mine, and he had concerns in that this is the first black lead in a Pixar movie, and they kill him early in the movie. And then <laughs> – he only learns to experience life and enjoy life when he's inhabited by the soul of somebody voiced by a white person. I know the soul itself in the movie that's voiced by Tina Fey, it doesn't have a race, but I I think some people are taking uh, umbrage with this. I didn't see an issue with it, but I don't want to minimize anybody else's feelings regarding it. Okay. Well, we'll probably hear more about that, especially as soul gets more attention. I know that, Adam's very high on it. It's one of his best films of the year. Uh, frankly, I, I was going to see it today, and then my wife reminded me that our Disney Plus subscription that was free expired recently, so I'm going to have to find another way to see it. But I will try, because it sounds like an interesting film from the two of you. Uh, again, there are some other films you have both seen. Uh, Adam, I'll let you lead the way on those, so you, can, you and Alec can uh, talk about those films. The one film that um, came out a while ago, I think it was part of the Heartland Film Festival. It's a, a Hoosier connection to the filmmaker, Eliza Hittman, writer-director. Uh, never, rarely, sometimes, always. And I always kind of have to kind of remember uh, the, the order and the, uh, the title of the name. But it is about a 17-year-old girl who gets an abortion. And so obviously this is a movie that could... Uh, not be for some audiences, depending on your personal, political, or religious beliefs. Um, but I would say it was a very well done movie. Um, it wasn't a preachy movie. It wasn't didn't really feel like a political movie. It felt like telling this girl's story. Uh, a talented young actress named Sydney Flanagan plays the lead, and uh, I don't think she's really done anything else before. Um, it's got great pacing realistic performances and uh kind of your heart breaks watching it so obviously if you just hear that it's a movie about abortion and that completely turns you off obviously steer clear from it but um you know regardless of whatever my personal or political beliefs are i really enjoyed this movie and was impressed by the day i don't know if it's the debut but the 
the breakthrough of uh, Eliza Hitman with this movie. And I know Alec was pretty high in this film, too. It's one of my favorite films of 2020. Um, I think it's an important movie. I thought the young actresses, uh, the primary character played by Flanagan, as well as uh, her cousin, who's played by uh, Talia Ryder, thought they were both great. Uh, Ryder especially I liked because she kind of reminded me of one of my nieces. I think it just focuses on the fact that whether you agree with it or not, we need to look out for our young women. We need to be better as men. Um, it's an important film. Okay, we heard Adam's dog, and we just saw your dog, Alex. So tell us about your dog. His name's Rocket. He's just kind of chilling. He's normally insane, but right now he's being good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, uh, any other films the two of you would like to talk about? Adam, I'll let you start. Oh, Alex, um, whoever whoever wants to start can start. I think Alec is get, Alec is getting the signal, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I've watched a lot within the last week, um, and a lot of these will probably appear on my uh, end-of-year best list. My wife and I went and saw Promising Young Woman last night. I'm really like in a slump as a man right now. I just feel like men need to be better. Maybe it's the fact that I watched The Assistant, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, and Promising Young Woman within the, the span of a week. But um, these are important movies, and I think they're saying things that people need to hear. You know, Alec, I did watch The Assistant, and I saw it early in the year before COVID hit at a movie theater. And it fits into exactly the theme you're talking about, men behaving very badly and at least one woman trying to intervene. And, uh, and, and, and it wasn't Harvey Weinstein, but you, the character obviously has some similarities with the Weinstein case. It and, may as well have been. <laughs> yeah, and it's, uh, the guy in this film is, is, is not a good character. And every time that and we'll, we'll talk more about it later, I guess, as we go do the year end. But what got me about the assistant is just how the whole HR system, which is supposed to support the woman, kind of dismisses her. And so that's that's a very important uh, uh, theme, I think, of of that film. You walk away from that. The assistant was a very good film. And, I and hope that it, scene you're speaking about with the HR department was the best scene in that movie. And uh, Ar 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 Army Hammer played the P the HR guy. <laughs> Small part, but he does a good job with it. Okay, I'm going to turn this over to Adam. Any comments about films you'd like to make? Yeah, I watched The Assistant recently, too. Um, I hadn't seen it before. Um, I'm a little not as high on it as you two, I think. Uh, I thought that Julia Garner, who you might know from Ozark, gave a really good performance. And I was interested the most part of the movie but by the end i think it left me wanting more um that there should have been a bigger climax or um something happened toward the end of the movie i feel like it just kind of ends well it did not have a hollywood ending adam that is it has more the independent yes. film ending feel to it i agree with that um so that kind of disappointed me a little bit but overall, I thought it was, I mean, it was a good performance and there were some, some good scenes in that movie. So I watched one that Larry said he was interested in seeing, The 20th Century. This is by a Canadian filmmaker and it is a completely bizarre story based on the diaries of this Canadian prime minister. The whole thing looks like uh, the drawings from Monty Python um, and it's completely bizarre and out there. Uh, I, I saw it on the best of list for some of our uh, colleagues here in Indiana who are film critics. I couldn't put it on mine. Um, 
It was weird, and I laughed at a few things, but it just seemed like it was trying a little too hard to be bizarre, and I'm not sure it totally hit with me. I think if you want a really good political satirist, you're kind of better to go with Armando Anucci, uh, who does, uh, you know, Veep and um, some of Larry's favorite movies over the last few years, The Personal History of David Copperfield and The Death of Stalin. Uh, I think he's a much more talented political satirist. Um, I don't know. Like, I like weird movies. I think the same people who like this might have liked uh, Brigsby Bear a couple years ago, the weird movie about the child show with Mark Hamill. And um, and I like some weird out there movies, but this one, I don't know, Larry. Maybe I'm getting older, but it just didn't do it for me. Well, I'm a Monty. I still watch the old Monty Python routines that come around on, on TV every now and then. I, I watch them again and again because even though they're so old, they're still funny and they still have... Uh, have a kind of timeless feel to them. And it's sad that of those four main guys, two of them are gone now. And they they did try to come together in three of them, but it's, it's, uh, it just wasn't, wasn't the same. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I'm going to see if I can get some, uh, put some time away and, and watch the uh, 20th century. Any other films while you're at it, Adam? I saw a horror film that Alec was really high on and actually, enjoyed it too it's called freaky it is by blumhouse which is known for making very um low budget horror films some of them kind of fun and you know uh campy every once in a while blumhouse will elevate themselves to something truly great they were the producers of get out um but this one is by christopher landon the son of uh the guy from little house on the prairie right michael landon michael landon yeah yeah and it's basically like if you took the old Freaky Friday, but then the teenage girl switches bodies with a serial killer. And I thought, okay, this is kind of a dumb premise. But they leaned into how dumb it is. It was funny. The action scenes, the deaths were, uh, they were over the top, but and they were really violent. But if you like the old slasher films, the Jasons, the Freddies, the, the Mike Myers... Uh, but you want a little more humor and something modern update, uh, I think you might enjoy this. It uh, it doesn't take itself seriously, but it's a lot of fun. Vince Vaughn had a really good 2020. I thought he was awesome in that movie, and he was really great in a movie that came out earlier this year called Arkansas. So, Okay, any other films that Alec would uh, like to talk about? Um, I could discuss a few real quick. I also saw News of the World. It's a new Paul Greengrass movie starring Tom Hanks. It's a Western. Uh, I think it's Hanks' first foray into the genre. Uh, I like the movie quite a bit. It's kind of slow. It is very earnest. Um, it does feel like a movie from the 50s or the 60s. But uh, when you have Hanks, and I don't know the young actress they plays opposite of his name, but she was quite good as well. Um, there's also a really good shootout in the middle of the movie. So uh, News of the World, I think, is worth a look. It's, uh, Chris Lloyd talked to, the, to us about that a little bit, wondering if anybody had heard about it. And I had heard about this film. It's starting to get some buzz now, and I think that's one of those examples of a film that's only in the movie theaters. You cannot watch it anywhere else at this point in time uh, during an, an era here where you're seeing things on different platforms, the Wonder Woman being an example of that. 
Okay. I believe it will be available on VOD probably in like two weeks. I think Universal is letting their movies play for a few weeks in the theater and then releasing them wide, like wider so, VOD. So at least during this like Christmas New Year's season, which is a big a movie theater season in a regular time. Okay, I'm going to ask you gentlemen something else here. I'm a I love movie theaters, but as an older guy. Uh, in a high-risk category, already having survived one bout of COVID. I'm not really anxious to go back to a movie theater as much as I miss them. We are now in the process of you know, getting vaccinations out to people. There is a treatment for it, which we didn't have before, which may take months for people to actually get that, that shot. So uh, I'm just going to ask uh, Alec to start this discussion and talk about about movie theaters, how soon we will be able to go back to them in something like the atmosphere we had before, and what are those movie theaters going to look like? What are they going to play, and how many of them will open up, and how many of them will never open up? What? Just getting your feel on what you think's about to happen to us here. I mean, I'm still going. I went three times within the last three or four days, so uh, I'm probably the anomaly. Um, Wonder Woman was pretty well attended. I think they were maxed out at the 40% that they're allowed. Um, I saw Promising Young Woman and News of the World last night, and they were sparsely attended. Um, When I go, I wear my mask. I try to keep distance from people. I also work with the public right now. I make my living tending bar. So, I mean, I'm kind of at risk either way. I figure I might as well enjoy my life and try to be careful about it. All right, Adam, let's get your take on the same question. So this year was probably, I think, the first Christmas in maybe 10 years or more, at least 10 years, that I didn't go to a movie theater on Christmas Day. Uh, I almost always go, and usually I'll go at night after everyone's exhausted and uh, they all just want to, you know, go to sleep or just read the book that they got the Christmas. I'll go with either my brother or sister, who were not in town this year, but usually are, or I think maybe once or twice I've gone by myself, but usually I go with somebody else. Um, this year I didn't go. We watched Soul at Home. Uh, I could have, but one of the big things stopping me, the latest screening for a lot of these movies were 7 p.m. And for me to go to the movie at 7 p.m., I would have had a interrupted dinner with my parents, and it would have just kind of thrown a lot of the day off. Going at 8 or 9 or 10 p.m., usually you can do that without bothering anybody else in the household. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think people will, should go back. I mean, I, it sounds like they're doing everything they can to make it safe. The vaccines, they're getting out as fast as they can. Uh, the numbers actually in Indiana went down recently, um, even before the vaccine coming out. So I have a lot of hope. But here you go, Larry. I did get one Christmas gift. I'll just throw this out here. I got an outdoor movie projector for Christmas, Larry. So I'm going to start my own backyard movie theater, and you can come over, and Alec, you'll sit outside, socially distance if the virus is still around, and you can watch a movie outdoors. Uh, and, you know, you can have a drink. It'll be really nice. So are going to have wireless headsets, or are, we, are your neighbors going to complain? My, my neighbor behind me is deaf. He doesn't complain about the, well, not deaf. He's just he can't. He's very old, and uh, he doesn't complain about the dogs. And then my neighbors on the other side of me, uh, they haven't complained yet about my dog barking. So I don't know if they complain about a movie. They're really nice. So I think we'd be set for a, 
a backyard outdoor movie screening. Um, we could show one of Larry's favorite movies. Uh, you know, what, what would that be? Well, I think you just got your own fi film festival started here, Adam. We'll just do go. it in your backyard. I think we'll, we'll do Jaws. It'll be summer. We'll do. <laughs> there you go. Let's all get some kiddie pools. We'll lay in them and watch the movie. We could drink Narragansett beer like Quint. It'll be great. <laughs> My two-year-old daughter will just run circles in the backyard in the grass. Sounds like a great time. I'm I'm used to that. So I've my <laughs> having my daughter raising my daughters who are now adults, soon to be 27. My twin daughters. Well, I want to say one thing before we start to wrap this up. I want to give kudos to Adam, his parents, as owners of Donatello's. You sent some free meals out to a local hospital, something you didn't have to do, and I think your local Carmel community appreciates that. Oh, thank you. And I did you have a good meal on Christmas Eve? Yes, we joined uh, the Donatello family. Uh, there, it seems like we see the same a lot of the same people every year. It's kind of a tradition, and we've started that since our our kids have other traditions. And you know, we have uh, both of our daughters are married, so we you know we all have little different traditions. So uh, Jane and I are kind of on our own on Christmas Eve. So uh, we've been to Donatello's last two years. I think we're going to make that a a regular thing, and it was a great. Uh, it was a great meal, and I know you were pretty busy uh, back in the kitchen. It's good to see business is good. Well, thank you. Alec, uh, any any final thoughts as we uh, wrap up this podcast? Uh, sort of going back to your previous question, I did notice that a new theater just opened in town. thought we might be able to talk about that real briefly. Yeah, and, and that's an interesting uh, – <laughs> we've, we've got two really interesting theaters uh, that will be just a few miles apart. Uh, in the near downtown area, Mass Avenue area. Uh, one is Can-Can uh, Can Theater. They've tried to do some online things to keep their the, the people who have been excited about them interested, even though they have not opened the theater yet, out of you know just, just basic uh, 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 public health reasons. But a new uh, theater is now opening up uh, in that old Coca-Cola bottling plant right at the end of Mass Avenue on the north side downtown, that whole entertainment area. It's called the Bottle Works Theater, and I've read a lot about it, and uh, we're hoping that we can maybe bring some people in from Can Can when they start the process of opening, and, and we'll look at Bottle Works as well if they'd like to co come on and, and talk about what they're doing. Uh, they're going to be, both of these theaters are going to be catering to some independent films. We hope they can both ha uh, survive. I actually think that these niche theaters in this atmosphere probably have a better chance of making it than some of the big multiplexes. So, Adam, any thoughts on that? Uh, I hope they do well. I think the small independent theaters, they did get some money in the COVID relief bill that uh, Trump did sign. Uh, so hopefully that helps them out. Uh, unfortunately, I think anything in the bill is probably going to be not enough, but hey, it's better than nothing. Well, and it, you're exactly right. It at least keeps people afloat a little longer, and we'll see how long the, the bad times last. Okay, uh, last thoughts for each of you. Uh, I'm going to ask Alec if he has any final thoughts. Uh, but before I begin that, I'll just let everybody know that we as a group plan to do our best films of the year in our next podcast, hopefully sometime next week or within the next week or two. Uh, we're going to take a look at the best films of the year. It's an unusual year, so there may be some unusual um, 
films and, and, and you know, some unusual takes on them just by the fact that how the, we're seeing movies and watching them has changed so much here this year. So, uh, Alec, uh, with that in mind and uh, knowing that uh, our best films come up in the next podcast, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Just a few ideas real quick. Uh, further extrapolating on BioWorks, a friend of mine intended, she posted pictures online. It looks like a beautiful space. If people are so inclined, they should go check it out. We're rooting for them. Um, otherwise, I was working on uh, publishing a review prior to our podcast starting today. I am reviewing uh, the new Robert Rodriguez kids movie, We Can Be Heroes, on Netflix. Uh, I wasn't particularly high on the movie, but you can read my review and hopefully get some laughs out of it. Um, I will also be publishing my top 10 uh, best of 2020 list on Grade A and at the Film Yap uh, on January 4th. So, Adam, your final thoughts for today. Um, as we enter the end of the new year, I just wanted to take a moment to uh, honor some of the, the big names that uh, had died in 2020. Uh, Chadwick Boseman is one that we talked about, but there's uh, a lot of uh, big people. Eddie Van Halen, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, although not a movie star, certainly has been the subject of, uh, of uh, uh, both a fictional or not a uh, a narrative story with uh, Felicity Jones playing her and documentary. Um, just a lot of big names this year that have passed away. Not all COVID related. Um, big actors. Uh, I'm trying to pull up some of the list here. I think Brian Dennehy passed this year. Brian Dennehy, who... Uh, Rutger Hauer. Yep. It's, uh, it's always sad to see that. I'm sure that we'll see uh, a long list. Kobe Bryant... He, of course, passed away, uh, and he won an Oscar. Oscar winner, yeah. yeah he won an Oscar as a uh, uh, producer of a, uh, a short animated film. So, uh, yeah, so just remembering those. The guy who was in the suit playing Darth Vader, David Prowse, passed away. Um, and I think another person in the Star Wars universe, too. Jeremy Bullock, uh, the guy who played Boba, uh, Boba Fett. Yep, he's gone, so... Uh, so hope for uh, peace for those families and uh, we thank them for all their contribution to movies and film and uh, any other thoughts from you Larry? Well Brian Dennehy played so many roles over so many years but yet I think people in Indiana will remember him most as playing Bob Knight when uh, on the TV production it was not a film but uh, that was an in- uh, his portrayal of Knight was an interesting uh, take on that that whole situation based on John Feinstein's book, although he wasn't real happy with the TV film. That's a whole other thing. Oh, Sean yes. Connery passed away. Of That's, we've had Sean Regis Philbin. Uh, yeah. Sean Connery is a big one. Uh, a lot of the old, some of the old film stars who died. Um, I'm pulling up some of these names here. The, uh, but uh, yeah, we, I mean, we can talk that. more about that next time because that's really part of the year in review. Uh, I appreciate you doing that and doing it on the fly. We didn't even talk about this ahead of time, so you really did this on the fly with your phone. So that was pretty, that was pretty, pretty uh, nice uh, situation there. You took uh, thinking on your feet there, but we can talk a little more about that next time for maybe names we didn't uh, get to, and there are always lots of names, and it's always a big part of the Academy Awards, right? When they they list all the people that the film industry has lost, and they include a lot of people behind the camera that you wouldn't know unless it were, they were honored at the at the Oscars. 
Okay, gentlemen. Was inspired, oh, go sorry. ahead. Go, go ahead, Alec. Was inspired by soul. He was uh, doing some free-form podcasting here. Get, get jazzy with it. <laughs> okay. We are going to leave on that note and wish you all well. We appreciate you being here. We're going to do our uh, end-of-the-year special, talk about our favorite films. I think we're going to agree on some of them, maybe not others. But it's, it's always fun to talk about film. That's why we do this. Alec already talked about some of the reviews he's about to post and uh, year-end uh, discussion. And you can find that at gradeamovies.com. Just jumble it all together when you put it in the URL, gradeamovies.com. They also write for the filmyapp.com on occasion. That's a larger group of people, but Grade A Movies is a... a uh, a website blog that uh, Adam and Alec have put together for their writing. So, gentlemen, thank you very much for another great discussion about film. We hope you enjoyed that discussion, and you'll join us next time when we have the GreatAMovies.com podcast. My name is Larry Lannon, and I would simply ask that you be kind and be safe. Happy New Year.